We are looking to work hard now. We are looking to improve now. We are looking to have success now. Hey, 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 hey. Can we go, era, baby? Let's go. Can we get some music? Yeah! folks final episode of the season not of the history of this podcast just the season and what a better way to close thing things out i should say than to talk about duke football and their upcoming bowl game the first time in four years hello and welcome to this season's final episode of the duke football talk section 17 podcast i'm your host brian kennedy and as always i'm joined by josh cox jamie holt scott medlin and producer Justin Sykes. Just like us coming back, the Duke football squad was back this week as they got into some practice right before they head to Washington, D.C. for all things Military Bowl. Josh and I were able to go to Monday's practice and talk with Coach Elko post-practice? Yeah, post-practice, <laughs> and hear his comments on the thoughts heading into the Military Bowl. Yeah, it's good. It's good to get back out there. You know, obviously it's been a little bit scattered with the coaches being on the road recruiting and kind of finishing that part of it up. And so, you know, we had a good go yesterday. Today was a really good go. Um, you know, we'll kind of give them a day off tomorrow, get their legs back underneath them, and then we'll go back hard again, uh, headed into the bowl trip. Um, you know, just trying to get the legs back, trying to get the crispness back. That's always the challenge of getting ready for a bowl is uh, trying to stay sharp over a month long layoff. Um, but I think the kids are in a good mindset. I think they're excited for the opportunity and obviously go up there and you know, put our best game on the field in Annapolis. And as always, Coach Mike Elko giving his thoughts. All things Duke as they prepare to head up to Washington, D.C. They're going to head up actually Friday, depending on when you listen to this episode. So they'll be celebrating Christmas in the nation's capital. And fellas, this is our last time discussing all things Duke. So let's go out with a bang. We'll be there in about a week as of this recording. And what are your thoughts as we're seven days away from the ball game? Yeah, well, I mean, Brian, you're acting like, you know, we're shutting the podcast down and stuff, man. <laughs> we're just finishing up another season. But, uh, but yeah, we, we can't wait. Um, it's been really neat, honestly, just for me personally, to continue to follow Duke football after uh, the month of November, right? That's That's a really cool thing to know that there's still things going on out there. Brian mentioned practice uh, we were able to attend this week. And honestly, the practice was – it was a little odd. felt a little bit like spring ball um, in a way. <clears throat> but I know that they're getting those guys back slowly and that they'll be prepared. And so I look forward, um, obviously, to seeing Duke fans um, there in, in uh, Annapolis. We are staying in Annapolis, by the way. I had a, we've had a couple of people reach out and ask about that. We're staying in Annapolis – I know the team is staying down in D.C. and we'll be doing everything down in D.C. leading up to the game day, uh, but we'll be in Annapolis. And so we plan on getting in there on, what, Tuesday? We'll be there Tuesday early afternoon and then uh, hanging out Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, and then Wednesday uh, tailgating. Uh, if you're interested in being a part of the tailgate, we do need you to DM us or reach out to us. We're going to be setting up um, a time to meet uh, early that morning so that we can all enter the blue lot together right Good old Brian? fashioned convoy as that's I call right it. that's right we're gonna be we're gonna be rolling up in there deep and so we're looking forward <clears throat> to that as well but yeah I mean it's been a great season had it we want to thank all of you that listen to the podcast man it's been really cool 
uh, to see how much we've grown. And the, the neat thing for us is we've gotten to know you guys a whole lot better this year. And so that's been really, uh, really cool. So, yeah, looking forward to it, man. What about you? What, what about you other guys? So I'm I'm really looking forward to the game. I've been prepping for the cold weather. Uh, funny story. I was on Amazon the other day because, I, you know, I needed – for those who know me, they know I'm a surveyor when I work. So, <laughs> so I'm outside in the cold air. So, anyways, going to the military bowl up in Annapolis with the potential cold weather, I'm looking for some thermal gear. And I always look through the comments and the star ratings and stuff like that. I see the star ratings, then I see the comments. So, I'm looking at this one item, and the person said – the comment said, do not wear, if it's over 30 degrees, it will roast your ass. So I clicked, <laughs> so I clicked buy now. So I was yeah. like, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Jamie's uh, going to be sweating in the stands. Yes, nuts <laughs> roasting by an open fire. <laughs> got me some hand warmers, got everything. I'm, I'm prepared. Bro, I got some rechargeable hand warmers. Yes. Amen. Mine arrived today. Yeah, dude, I'm, I'm rocking those things. I, I bought the six six dollar cheap ones, so but well, they work too. Because ja Jamie, me, and you might make the uh, television when we start cuddling if it gets too cold. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be a fun game. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing everybody up there and uh, looking forward to getting some crab cakes. Uh, crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. <laughs> can't wait for the game. Yeah, well, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, the opportunity. Uh, this is the first time we've been able to do this since the uh, Chick-fil-A ball, obviously. This is the first time our group, as a group here, all four of us were able to do it. Um, obviously, the last time the you know, three of us, minus Brian, were able to go. Uh, different opportunity, different chance, uh, different place. Obviously, the military is a big deal. We all love our country. We all love the flag. We love the uh, you know, everything about it really excited about being there on the campus or in that general area just because of that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge history buff, but I do enjoy going to do things like that and seeing the different things. So really excited about that. And, you know, like the other guy said, looking forward to hanging out with you guys. Uh, it's been a great year. We've had a lot of fun. Uh, we've done a, things have been different than what we thought it would be when the season started. And we're definitely proud of where we've grown Looking forward to obviously next year as we get down that road to get, you know, do more things and bigger things. But uh, definitely looking forward to hanging out with you guys because, again, after this week, we will not see each other again until possibly the spring game. So that's a few, you know, few long months there after we got to hang out as much as we did for the last three months, four months. Well, don't forget, we have a dinner. <clears throat> we have a dinner, a postseason oh, dinner where we have a great steak. Great segue. Oh, you know I, say, I thought, well, no, I, no, we ain't segueing yet. We have to hear no, 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 from no. Brian. Tell, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. We have to hear oh. from Brian, Uncle Sam Kennedy, <laughs> on his military <laughs> gear he has prepped yes. for this game. I mean, we can't go on without finding out about this, Brian. So I think I mentioned this a few episodes ago, but I, Josh, remind me, it wasn't the weight game. It was one of the last home games. We were talking bowls and where we could potentially go. And I told Josh, I said, I'm telling you right now, I haven't pulled the trigger yet because be it my luck, we won't go to the military ball. I said, but there's some cool Duke apparel on fanatics.com. I said, if we go to the military ball, I'm going to get it all. And I'll be damned if we didn't get selected on Selection Sunday that I immediately bought a Duke camo hoodie, 
a Duke camo long sleeve shirt, a Duke camo toboggan, and then I decided to buy buy some camo thermals. Not no, not yeah, socks. Do you get the hat? Uh, yes, too? the camo. Yes, the camo hat will be seen Wednesday night or Tuesday night when we get in. I was going to say, let, let, let's let, let me clarify this with our listeners. Yes, Brian did say he got a shirt and a hoodie, so you can't even see both of them. And he got a hat and a <laughs> yes. and a beanie. You can't wear both of those at the same time. So, like when he went all out, folks, ladies and gentlemen, if you know Brian Kennedy, if he's going to go all out, dag on it. He's going to go all out, and he did. Hey, it's like I said. Had we gone to the Duke's Mayo Bowl, I'd be standing right next to Elko taking the Mayo bath. But, Next, he's going to walk in with the Hacksaw Jim Duggan American flag and two by four. And so oh. we can't wait for that. <laughs> Brian, yes. Captain Amer- Brian, Captain America, Kenny, Kennedy. Hey, I, I'm just very, very thankful that we're actually able to talk about this and go to a bowl game. Again, it's been four years since we have actually been able to talk about all things bowl. But enough about us. We're going to segue because this is going to be a jam-packed last episode. I didn't really run down what we are going to do. But we're going to be talking with Gary Paris here in just a second. Josh was able to interview him. We're going to get your mailbag questions the final time this season. Thank you again to everyone that asked their questions. Scott's going to bring another This Week in Duke football history. I'm going to bring the last tell of the tape of the season for the Central Florida Knights. And then we've got to announce some season prediction winners, not only on our front between the four of us, who wins that steak dinner, but which one of you guessed the most stats correctly before the season even started. So with that being said, let's just go ahead and jump right into it because as I said earlier in the opener, we are one week away as of this recording from the Military Bowl, two o'clock kickoff against the Central Florida Knights. And we were very fortunate to be joined by Gary Paris. Josh was actually able to sit down with him and Gary was very thorough, very detailed, very in-depth about all things Central Florida. So here's Josh speaking with Gary Paris, color analyst for the Central Florida Knights. And we're excited to welcome on Gary Paris, the color analyst uh, for the UCF Knights down there in warm, sunny Florida. Gary, how are you doing today, man? Thanks for coming on with us. Josh, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited about uh, being able to talk to you about a bowl game this time of the year. It's a it's uh it's a lot of fun and it's uh it's uh right around Christmas everybody's excited and uh I it's really fun to be able to talk to you guys that are your enthusiasm I've heard has been unbelievably so great over the uh the last couple of years with your program. Yeah, Duke's been on the rise for sure and I mean I know you guys have been to several straight bowl games uh I believe 7 in a row or something like that if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then, you know, here we sit, we haven't been bowling in four years. And so this is our first bowl game since 2018. And so definitely uh, two different programs in in kind of two different situations uh, currently. But, you know, I hate it for you, though, Gary, because there you sit in sunny Florida, Orlando, uh, the land of Mickey Mouse, and you have to travel north for the winter for this game. So what do you think about that? <laughs> well, you know, it, it brings me back to my days when I played in the NFL, when we had to play in places like uh, I played with Cleveland. So you can imagine what Cleveland's mm. like in uh, December and January. You can imagine like going to Green Bay, or you can imagine playing up in uh, Foxborough when you're in the, in the cold weather. So it's just going to bring back some old memories. The good thing about this, Josh, I'm in a booth. There you go. <laughs> we can pipe the sound noise noise out from the booth. 
we'll close if we have to we'll close it but uh no it's uh i think our kids are excited about the opportunity many of these boys have never played uh in a game that would be this cold because most of them are from florida so yeah. they don't get that opportunity and all and uh and i think they're all excited about playing in a military bowl a lot of uh a lot of people in our families and all that have had military uh families and i think the guys take take that part of the the game very serious yeah we're looking forward to that on our end as well and i think that's a big deal for these young men especially just an appreciation you know, for those who have taken other routes and and including protecting our freedoms and things like that. And so uh, that's really cool. You mentioned playing in the NFL, Gary. You were a tight end in the NFL for several years. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, that, who you played for and all that good stuff. Well, I played, I came in in 1973 with a rookie as uh, with Dan Fouts. We were in, uh, in uh, San Diego Chargers and uh, we, I threw that name out there only because that would tell you how old I <laughs> with Fauci and all we were roommates for two years and uh then I got sent to Cleveland and I spent uh four years up at Cleveland with the Browns and then I finished up with St. Louis and uh and I was blessed to have some great quarterbacks uh, Dan Fouts you know we had Brian Seip at uh at uh Cleveland and Jim Hart and Neil Lomax up at uh in St. Louis I know some old names, but I'm going to tell you, they were outstanding quarterbacks. And um, it was fun for me. It was one of those dreams of my lifetime. I, I was able to be, you know, get to play a while. I, I tore up my knee in St. Louis on that old AstroTurf they had out there. Mm. And, uh, and it was over. You know, you just say uh, your, your day's over with. But you look back and you're very proud of what you've done and what you've accomplished. And uh, I um, uh, I got involved with broadcasting and uh, and I got invited Gene McDowell, who was the uh, head coach at UCF at the time, uh, was a former FSU coach, mm -hmm. and he knew I did some high school games, and they needed a, a play, uh, or actually a analyst, color analyst. So Gene invited me up to do it, and 27 years later, I'm still doing it and having the time of my life, Josh, absolutely having the time of my life because I get to travel all over the country. We've played all the a lot of the SEC schools. Mm -hmm. We've played and we've been to NC State and uh, and played them. Now we've never I haven't never been to Duke. I I visited Duke was a at one time when I was in the area. Uh, Mac Brown was my uh, road roommate at uh, at uh, Florida State, uh -oh. so I was in the area. And I know that's a bad name over there. <laughs> I know that's bad, but uh, he I but he I went. I said I got to go to. Duke, Mark, I mean, Matt, before I come to visit with you. Uh, and I, he said, yeah, you'll enjoy that. And to walk into that, the basketball arena yeah. and the, the, all the history and the, the glory there. And I, I'm going to tell you, that was exciting. Put chills on me just to think about the history and all that's been there at Duke University. Well, well representative of their, of the conference and a, and a, you know, higher education program they are. And, and I, you know, it was neat. And I, and again, I'm proud that we're playing Duke. Yeah, it's going to be a great it's going to be a great game. We're looking forward to it. You mentioned traveling and getting to see a lot of different places and you guys will be transitioning out of the AAC uh, into the Big 12 next year. So you'll be going to uh, a few new places probably that you've not been before. Um how is the football program specifically uh, preparing for that and what do you think that's going to look like next year? Well, I I think we're all excited about the opportunity uh to get into the Big uh the Big 12. Uh, I the, it's one of those 
you know, the eight, as you know, in your conference, the conference you represent, the TV money, the money's really big. It, it's a really a, a giant leap from going from the American Athletic Conference to the Big 12 when you come to making money. I mean, the dollars, the TV contracts are there. That's It's a great conference. I mean, anytime you've got TCU and Baylor and 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 uh, Oklahoma and Texas, which they'll be they'll be leaving us to go to the SEC. But you've got some great representatives. Kansas mm -hmm. State Kansas had a fantastic State. year yep. this yep. year, and you got Iowa State who's, who's had their uh, some great years. So we're excited about it. How do we prepare to go in there? Well, you got to recruit. Uh, it's really funny, you know. We we're more of a defensive minded at times at, in our in our conference and in our coaching staff. Uh, has been in them but you go to that conference you better be able to score 40 points <laughs> hope your defense yeah. hope your defense doesn't give up 41 so uh it's a it's a different mindset but it i have a lot of respect for the conference we're excited about it the big thing is going to be uh recruiting getting uh, kids out of the, uh, the portal that can help us play at the next level yeah, speaking of the transfer portal, Gary, um, that leads me into actually my next question. It's like we we planned this, right? Um, but uh, you guys, obviously, you know, across the country, programs are experiencing, you know, more than usual, obviously, more than they're used to now. Uh, guys leaving uh, from the in, into the portal and then coming in, you know, from other schools out of the portal. Um, it looks like the, my last count, I think you guys were at 13 or something like that which is probably about average uh, of, of programs in the country. Are there any of the guys that are um, transferring out that you know of that are going to be, that have chosen to play in the game? Um, I don't know if you guys even know that. I think that's something that we've been following in some of the, the matchups in the ACC is like, okay, this guy's in the portal, but like Bryce Young, you know, for instance, Alabama, like he's going to play right. in the game. Do you know of any of your guys that are no, doing that or are they no, all kind of moving on? They, they, They've already moved on. Uh, yeah, we we lost uh, Ryan O'Keefe. Ryan O'Keefe is a fantastic. Wide that was a big one, right? Boston College yeah. landed him. Yeah, didn't he? he went. Uh, uh, coach Wyatt was uh, the receiver coach had taken a job up there. He was at UCF a couple years ago, and when he put his name in the portal, immediately you know, Coach Wyatt went after him. Mm -hmm. And this the the thing that's strange is their quarterback just left uh, Boston College, yep. and you guys know that you play him. And, 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 and he just left. I mean, I mean, so uh, Ryan's going up there with, uh, you know, with a new quarterback, a new system, but it was NIL. It was, yeah. you know, a lot of it was NIL. Uh, you got that money sitting out there and, and uh, these organizations and boosters can afford to attract certain kids and uh, uh, will give them money they've never seen. And it's, uh, it's no, that, you're exactly right, Gary. You're exactly right. On the football side of things, he steps into a situation that was Zay Flowers, who was an All American, uh, a wide receiver there at Boston College, moving on uh, to the NFL. And so he does step into a role there where I think he could be their, their clear cut number one guy, which, you know, like what we, we try to keep up with the ACC. And so we kind of, that, that O'Keefe was definitely the, the main guy from y'all's transfer portals that we kind of kept our eye on, um, as he moved on. So, uh, well, we I thought lost, that was very uh, interesting. Yeah, we lost a uh, defensive back, Devontae Brown, who went yeah. to Miami, uh, has committed to sign at Miami. And Miami's, again, it's a lot of this NIL money. Some of these cities, some of these people, they have lots of money, some of these towns in. And uh, and uh, these young men, again, haven't seen a lot of money in their lifetime. And 
And uh, Devontae Brown is a, a safety. He was an outstanding safety for us. And going to Miami, we lost our uh, linebacker, Baptiste, uh, uh, Tremont Jean Baptiste. Baptiste went to Ole Miss. Uh, so you lose three starters. And that and that's been it so far. We just lost the yeah. three starters that but they were big parts of your uh your team. And then and it's so now you have to go out and you gotta try to find them a replacements for them in the portal because you don't expect a, a, a freshman out of high school to step up sometimes and play at the level that you're uh yeah. you've had these other guys play. You you get it's a bonus if they are. There are very few. Usually Alabama and Georgia gets those freshmen. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I think last year we, we brought in close to 20 guys and two of them, uh, true freshmen, really, really played any significant amount of snaps uh, throughout the season. So it's probably about par for the course um, as, as you're bringing these guys in. Uh, obviously, uh, the quarterback, uh, well, we're, we're familiar with the last name Plumley around here at Duke, uh, but it's basketball related. And no, he is not related uh, to the three Plumley brothers, but John Rice Plumley. Obviously, quarterback is the most popular position, all those types of things. Um, but we know we're going to be looking out for him. And we've we've kind of seen his game. We know he transferred in from Ole Miss, all those types of things. Other than him, other than John Rice Plumley, uh, who is somebody that Duke fans need to be looking out for on that UCF roster? Uh, well, you we've got a great running back, uh, uh, some great running backs there at uh, UCF. you got uh, – uh, Bowser is a uh, 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 played at Northwestern, transferred in, and he's a powerful runner. He's uh, uh, other than Pomley, he would be our leading rusher. Then we have Johnny Richardson, a very fast uh, running back, and R.J. Harvey, another. Uh, Richardson's been banged up, and Harvey has had to step in, and he's done a really good job of running the ball. So. We have a, a stable of those young men like that that you will see. Plumlee's been hurt. He pulled mm -hmm. a hamstring muscle in the South Florida game, and it hurt us really because we couldn't utilize him at the game against Tulane in the uh, for the the championship uh, conference championship game. He got to play some, but he couldn't. He was not what he's designed. Kind of like your uh, your Riley uh, uh, Leonard. Leonard. You know, yeah. he, he is a dual threat quarterback there's a right. young man that can run and can throw and um he's very impressive I, I i know we'll talk about your team but you're asking me about ours right now but i i kind of look at uh uh riley and i look at him and i go wow that kid's got talent and you watch a little film on him and the things he can do with his legs same thing as Plumley, as you said but our running backs are good we got a, a veteran offensive line that's coming back i mean uh they're playing in the game we lose yeah. We lose two or three of them, but we're going to – they're all playing. And that O-line, by the way, I mean, we did our research on that. Number one offensive line and non-Power 5 uh, football. So, you guys definitely graded high uh, there in the trenches for sure. Yeah, we, we've we've done really good there. We got a, a great uh, – we lose O'Keefe, but we got a kid, Xavier Townsend, that a, was a freshman that's coming. And he'll, he'll fill in really well. We've got another kid that just – we, he won't play in the game naturally, but he's coming out of Alabama. Uh, uh, we had Baker who played at uh, at Alabama two years ago. He was with us this year, and uh, he had a great year as a wide receiver for us out there. And and uh, Kobe Hudson, the guy that played at Auburn, and and so we we're 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 okay with talent in our yeah. receivers. We got yeah. talent there. We're okay uh, if we get healthy. 
Josh, as you know, and you guys have been in football doing this thing a long time. It's how healthy you are at the end of the year. And, and sometimes these injuries start mounting up uh, like you did on us. I mean, we had uh, running backs out. We had, uh, we were playing with some banged up wide receivers. Our quarterback was banged up and uh, we had a con a little bit of a, we, we didn't want to break Mikey King's, uh, you know, four year, four game, right. lose his red shirt because he didn't, he just didn't want, he wasn't going to play. He just said, and coach knew that he told him up front. So, we didn't have him in the championship game either. So you get banged up and you go, but I think you're going to see a healthy um, uh, Plumley. You're going to see a healthier team because yeah. of the, we've had, you know, we've had three to four weeks to get ready for, uh, for this game. Well, two more questions, Gary, and then sure. we'll get out of here. The first one, uh, kind of a fill in the blank here. UCF will win the military bowl. If, if I like that. Wow. <laughs> Uh, I think we have a shot at winning if our defense can play more consistent. Uh, we're a, we've lost our defensive coordinator. He went to Arkansas, and uh, we promoted within Coach Addison Williams will be the new defensive coordinator. He's a very talented defensive coordinator, uh, defensive back coach. He had a lot. He really did a good job with our defensive backs. So he'll be running the defense. We have got to uh, be able to contain and make sure Leonard doesn't get outside the box where he can run, where he can read the field. He's got a great arm. He's got great strength. He's big, big kid. I mean, when you see a kid mm -hmm. six foot four that can run like that, that he's tough talent. Uh, defensively, we've got to put pressure on him, which we haven't done a really good job this year. We have uh, don't have a lot of we don't have a lot of interceptions. We don't have a lot of sacks. Uh, we have a lot of tackles for losses and stuff, but we don't have those other numbers that are important. Mm -hmm. So our job is to put your quarterback and make his life feel very uneasy on defense. Offensively, we've got to be able to run the ball against your defense. I mean, you got that one kid, what, Shaka Hayward? Hayward, yeah. Yep. He's, he's a stud. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, he plays the game hard. He plays the way it's supposed to be played. And for a big guy, he's all over the place. I mean, he's going to give us some havoc. But our job is we've got to uh, run the ball. We've got to allow our quarterback. Uh, he's healthy. If he's healthy, we got a chance to uh, a chance to win the game. If he's not healthy, then I I'd say Duke has a really good chance to win. Gotcha. Well, you covered a little bit of our Duke guys, so my last question was going to be about Duke, but I'm gonna I'm gonna punt and I'm going to do, I'm going to ask you a, a non-football related question for my last question. And then we'll, uh, we'll get out of here. If we are down in Orlando, which a lot of people do, they vacation down there. You got the, you got sea world, you got universal, you got Disney world, but give us something to do in Orlando. That's like off the beaten path, right? It's, it's not a part of the glitz and glamor, but Hey, if you're down in Orlando and you want to do something different, What's something? Maybe it's a eating. Maybe it has to do with eating. Maybe it's just well. They have some of the they have some of the best restaurants, I think, because they create them for all the people that do come into Orlando. Yeah. Uh, but I I I would think that I'm a, there's a there's some. I live here, and the thing that I enjoy the most, and I live in a little town uh, outside Orlando called Vero Beach. Okay. Vero's yeah. Familiar. Coast. Yep. Yeah, and uh, and uh, so. What we love to do is we love to go see the the alligator farms. 
we you know you like to go see you get to go see things that you normally don't get sea world is one of the most fantastic mm-hmm. it's uh, uh, attractions of course disney's got all their uh, attractions but there's so much to do josh i mean to pick out one thing in particular is a uh is tough because they do everything first class you love to play golf Man, they got some of the most beautiful golf courses mm-hmm. in the world right down there. Of course, you guys do too in North Carolina. And uh, but uh I, I I really don't have an if answer for you. There's so many good things to do. I love it though. Listen, going going to alligator farms and playing a little bit of golf. I mean, that sounds good to me. You know, that's that's probably a little bit more fun than walking around Disney World all day. So, you know. Uh but you Gary- guys are a your guys are a good team. Um, I have a lot of respect for Duke. Uh, I'm a little concerned. I, I'm hoping our, our attitude, uh, we came off a loss, a big loss to Tulane mm-hmm. and that makes you flat. And, and, and uh, I, I'm glad we had this game on the 28th because it gives us a chance to uh, regroup and rethink things through and try to get our motivation back and uh, get ready for a great team. This is a very, people don't realize Mike Elko is a good coach. This guy's a defensive genius yeah. Yeah. and had uh, all his experience. He's getting his first shot as a head coach. And I'm going to tell you something, he made the most of it. So I tell you, I tell the people in the ACC, look out for Duke. They're, 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 he's recruiting well, and he does, and he's a good, good uh, recruit of that. And he's also a good communicator with the kids. Absolutely. We've been, we've been fortunate and blessed. Obviously, you guys landing. Uh, you know, Malzahn uh, down there as well. I believe these are going to be two well-coached teams. Gary, thank you so much for coming on the Section 17 podcast. We look forward to the game uh, this coming Wednesday uh, there in Annapolis, Military Bowl, Duke, and the UCF Knights. Gary, thanks again for coming on. Josh, my pleasure. Brian, thank you guys. Good luck to uh, Duke, and uh, hopefully we may see you in um, Annapolis. And our thanks again to Gary Paris for coming on and giving us some more insight on our opponent, a very formidable group five opponent in Central Florida. And we've said it before, folks, think about this. Central Florida was one game away from heading to the Cotton Bowl. If they had beaten Tulane like they did in the regular season, they would have been going to Dallas to play at AT&T Stadium. So even though it's not the Cotton Bowl, it's the Military Bowl. It's a very formidable opponent. and I think I speak for all of us when I say we're very excited to see what Duke can do against Central Florida. But with that being said, we will now transition into our favorite segment, and that is the mailbag questions that you each and every week have sent in to us since we started this this season. And as always, you did not disappoint. So, Jamie, do you have you haven't pulled them up? Are you ready? Yep, I am ready. All right, let's get rolling. And I'm gonna start us off with what was going on today because we couldn't keep up with uh we couldn't keep up with Elko and Duke how much uh they're tweeting out all the uh signing day stuff. So at S Dillard 35, Stephen Dillard on Twitter wants to wants to know about signing day and can we go over anything from signing day? Yeah, let's do it. Um so we, we gotta give credit where credit's due here. If you want to find and we just tweeted it actually, so we are recording this on Wednesday night. Um, but we just tweeted this. We want to give credit. Uh, Connor O'Neill, our friend, um, Duke Rivals, uh, De- Devils Illustrated, he's the Duke Rivals guy, um, putting together a really a really informative article that highlights each one of the recruits 
tells a little bit about them and then also a quick quote from Coach Elko about them. And so one of the main things that I wanted to um, to talk about were uh, the early enrollees. I think that's a really big deal. Um, we've seen as we follow the program that, that, you know, nine times out of 10, if a true freshman is going to get some decent amount of snaps in the fall as a true freshman, they're going to be here as an early uh, enrollee. If you look at this past year's team, really the true the two true freshmen, you know that, that that were obviously the guys who contributed this year were Vincent Anthony, uh, who was an early enrollee, and then Chandler Rivers, who was another early enrollee. And so, with that said, there are ten <clears throat> players from this um, signing period that are going to be enrolling um, January. That's quarterback Grayson Loftus, friend of the pod. Shout out to Grayson. Um, Marquise Sub-Zero Collins, Peyton Jones, both of those guys come, come, come in as wide receiver, uh, running backs, I'm sorry. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Apollos Cook, wide receiver. Uh, Vance Boyard, um, a tight end. Going to maybe mess up some names here. Uh, but Desmond Aladulje, I'm not sure how to say his name, but I'm really impressed by that kid. Samaj Turner, those are both D linemen. Luke Murgott's a linebacker, and then uh, Quentin Najiro and Musa Kane <clears throat> are the ones who are going to enroll early. Um, Scott mentioned, if Scott, if you want to speak to this a little bit, uh, Coach Elko talked today um, a little bit about the possibility of some of these guys maybe moving around uh, positionally. And so uh, what what are we thinking there? Um, I know that he had said that, that some of these guys uh, had played both ways in high school. Uh, some of the O-linemen that are coming in, had played tight end, oh, played O line and played uh, linebacker, and a couple of the guys that played linebacker played tight end. So it was kind of interesting how that worked out. Um, he did make a comment towards the end, and you know this is not the sky is falling, so please don't take it this way. But he did say that there are twenty six spots that opened up, obviously with these guys coming in. There will be some faces that were here that will play this week that will not be here once we get to graduation. So don't take that as a bad thing. Uh, there's some opportunities, obviously, for other guys to go other places. Um, he did mention the opportunity, though, of some of these guys possibly moving to different positions, some of the safeties moving to maybe – or some of the line, some of the DBs moving to safety, possibly because of their size and their length. Um, he did mention the fact that – I mean, there's a good chance these running the two running backs that we're going to get could end up being slot receivers. They're just super fast. They both have great reputations coming in, and and on that note, Scott, real quick, I'll let you get right back to that. Uh, Eric Weatherly, who's a true freshman, we've noticed he's made that switch uh, to uh, like a slot receiver. So that's not official on the on the Duke website yet or anything, but like he's listing himself on social media as a wide receiver. Wide receivers went out to eat last week. Saw some Instagram posts about that. Weatherly was there with them. So it looks like he's in that wide receiver room now. Sorry, go ahead, Scott. So, you know, as we look forward, obviously, we've got a few months here. we got 10 guys. 10 of those guys are coming in here in the next two weeks. So as we look, as we get to spring practice and the further we're able to go down the line with that, we'll be able to give you a little more information. But, you know, the article was definitely great. And it give you it gives you great insight on the, some of the twenty six the guys that we had, so. You you know what I like to see, when looking at uh, some of these recruits, and we don't, admittedly, we don't follow football recruiting as closely as some of 
or some of our other guys like like Connor and like Jordan, our our guy Jordan. Um, he follows really closely as well. Uh, I like he, to see, he's a stalker. Yeah, yeah. I like to see when it, it comes up and says, "Oh, this guy played track and field too." Uh, this guy was a basketball player. You know, this there's a lot of just athletic guys coming in, and that's that's pretty uh, impressive to see and encouraging to see guys that that are just athletes. There's also a few guys that did play did do track in high school that are on the list that are coming in that are to possibly do that. We've got a lot of three sport athletes too. Uh, some of the tight ends that are coming in played three sports. Uh, Vance Bulliard, for example, he played three sports. Uh, Vincent Troyer, the kid from Canada by way of New Jersey, <laughs> he he was a three sport athlete. Uh, so, you know, it's, oh, that's beauty. And one of the funny things, and just if you didn't see the press conference today, listening to Coach Elko as he went through each guy, and not to belabor the point here, but I just want to point this out. Almost every one of them had either won a state title this season or had won a state title in the last two seasons or had been in the final four of the playoffs. So that says that we're getting a very good talent group of guys coming in. And that's definitely something to look forward to as we go further. So just, you know, that's that's my little two cents worth. Well, my my only stat is this, and it's something I said to the guys before we started recording. ESPN ranks this signing class for Duke 45th best in the nation. That's it. When's the last time we had a recruiting class that high? It's been a while. I, I don't know the answer. But I will say this. We beat out Virginia Tech, Boston College, Wake Forest, Pitt, and Georgia Tech as far as recruiting class rankings. We did have some other ACC schools ahead of us, but that was to be expected. Miami, Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, and then that other community college down the road, eight miles. Jamie? I had mentioned also in that text message convo that you sent, you know, you look at State, they were 35th. You look at Carolina was 26th in their recruiting rankings. But Duke's just like a couple of guys – you get a couple of four stars right. right up there. You're right up there with them or maybe yeah. even ahead of them. So it's it's a really small, small bit of a, like just a couple of guys. Small and margin. Over, yeah. So, yeah, small margin. So it makes you wonder, though, at what point did, did Elko have to just press on the brakes and say, we, we got to stop? Because obviously you bring more guys in, that's more spots you've got to change and fill and tell guys to move on. Scott. One other thing, too, uh, Coach Elko mentioned this, and the coaches actually mentioned this during the special they did on ACC Network Extra. He basically went to each ind individual coach and said, you have to – we have to recruit a player for each position. So we had to recruit a quarterback. We had to recruit an offensive lineman, an off a guard, a tackle, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and all everything down the line there. And that's kind of how the approach went with these guys. And one of the other things Coach Elko mentioned, and I'm sorry, I began belaboring it. He mentioned that, you know, Grayson Loftus was the quarterback of this deal. He was one of the first ones that he talked to and got him in. But he also mentioned that these were the 26 guys that committed to him as he came in. And this is probably, I mean, obviously this will be his favorite class because of that, because these are the 26 guys that, committed to him his first opportunity and obviously what duke has been doing is a great thing 
and seeing what ha- what is going on now and seeing that they're joining at the right time. So, you know, it just it shout out to these kids. They didn't listen to the backdoor stuff. They didn't have, I'm sure they had people, some of these guys had people in their ears. They, they stayed with what they, what they said they were going to do. They stayed with Duke. They're coming to Duke. That's all we can ask for. Next. All right. So this one's a, a kind of a funny question. Yeah. But we're going to go with at Big Papa RV. Now that I have expressed my undying love for <laughs> Riley Leonard with my dear Riley letter, what Duke football player would Josh, Brian, and Scott read their love letter to? Oh, man, I, that's an awesome question. That is a really good question. Yeah, before we get into it, Jamie, I forgot to mention this to you, but we saw Riley Monday, and I said, hey, Jamie wanted to say hey to you. He <laughs> shook his head almost in disgust and was like, you guys are ridiculous. <laughs> Dude, yeah, and, and some of the uh, sports information guys that were in the room with Riley, he was like, man, I was crying, laughing so hard. <laughs> and he's like, it was so good because Riley was legitimately – cracking up and did not know what to say so kudos jamie you did you did well in executing that man but anyway okay so who would our who i'm not going to go first on this one scott we're going to let you go first uh if you had to have one guy i'll go last that way i'll let you guys have your pick but if you had a dear riley moment yours would be dear who see it would be tough for me you know not not pre-thinking this because obviously i would either pick an o lineman or a d lineman um, I've got to admit though, I love the guy, and I mean, I'll tell him up to his face. Big Wayne, the campaign has got to be my guy. Dwayne Carter to me is the face of Duke football right now with Riley Leonard, the mayor. He's the mayor, he is the mayor. Man, when he made that first tackle last year from 15 yards down the field for that strip fumble, that was that was my moment. Unlike Jamie, you know, watching him Riley run down the sideline. That was my moment for seeing Dwayne. All right, Brian. I I might I I have no idea, guys. I've got too many love letters to give out. I thought it was gonna be Jaquez, man. It, 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 and that's who popped into my mind, Jaquez. Um more. I mean, he he was my guy that I picked for most touchdowns in a season. And um it's just He's that type of running back that I love to see going straight north to south, straight up the middle, through plugging through the holes, and just he's just my kind of running back. I love to see that. So yeah, Jack Moore for sure would be um would be my my love letter. All right. I, that makes that makes perfect sense. Man, mine mine's down to two. I, can I tell you who my two finalists are? No, you um, just tell us I who your love one. letter. You can't have two girlfriends. You're not Mormon. <laughs> true, mm. true, true, true. Mm. <laughs> All right, uh, if I had to do a dear one person, man, um, I got to go with my guy, man. I've been riding with this guy since since he got in town, and uh, he's staying for his his additional year. It might have to be dear Jalen. I got to go prime time. Jalen Calhoun, uh, just solid as a rock, man. A good kid. Um, shout out, great family. Um, and like I said, I love the fact that he put up some numbers, but man, it, I mean, he didn't even participate in senior day. So, like, I, I got a lot of respect for that. So, that's my that's my guy. I won't say who my who my runner up was. Nope, but that's my guy. You only so, have one hand to hold. Yep. All right, that's a good question. 
Jamie and Raleigh, I just want you to know, I'm a I'm a middle aged man. <laughs> I'm married. Mid forties. <laughs> Mid forties. <laughs> have a thirteen year old son. Hey, for, for the for the record, real fast, I, I gotta I gotta mention this, guys. I have when we first started talking about doing that, I have showed that video to people that have no idea what we're doing here, that don't even care about Duke football. They laughed their backsides off and said that was one of the greatest things they've ever seen. And the fact that Riley laughed the whole time oh, yeah. made it even better. He's the And there's a lot of people that, that follow us, man, that I've seen in the last week or so. They're like, man, that was the greatest thing we've ever seen. Yeah, so funny. kudos, guys. We did a great job. Yes. All right. All right. What's next? Spencer Newman at Newman34 on Twitter. Who is an impact offensive and defensive player for UCF for us to watch out for? And we were discussing this before we ever even came on, you know. Yep. Plumley. So, Jamie, you mentioned the uh, the defensive guy. What's that guy's name? Uh, My bad. I put you on the spot, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have Way to go, Josh. <laughs> sorry, I'll talk offense. I mean, obviously, Scott, well, you could talk about this too. John Rice Plumley is their quarterback who's like their number one running back for sure too. And that was one of the things that you'll hear it. Obviously, you have heard it a few minutes ago. Gary mentioned yeah. that if Rice Plumley had not hurt his hamstring, they probably would have beaten Tulane. I, I would say uh, watch out for Bowser, the running back, because that kid is good, strong, tough, and it, it's going to take it's going to take some heap and help in the tackling. How big a boy are you, Jamie? What's the defensive yeah. guy's name? You're looking at I'm looking at number fifteen linebacker Jason Johnson. Had 122 tackles on the year, so like he's he's That's all incredible. Over, yeah, he's all over the field. So he's oh, when we got we we look at we got Shaka, you know they got they got this guy. He's all over the field. Um, so Jason Johnson on defense, Plumley and Bowser on offense. And I was going to say too one thing that we were talking about before we even started recording was Plumley and Riley are very similar. Plumley had 841 yards rushing, which is about 200 more, actually, than Riley. And we were talking about also Plumley missed a couple of games. So how, how many rushing yards would he have had had he played every single game? So and one of the things you have to remember, Gus Malzahn was Cam Newton's coach in mm -hmm. Auburn. Yep. <clears throat> Next. All right. Let me get back. All right, at Big Papa RB comes back. This time he wants a game-related question. Any indications that Elko may not play certain seniors the whole game to allow underclassmen some game reps? Or are they all in on trying to win the game? Which I think we saw from Elko's original press conference talking about championship season, talking about trying to, trying to get the Military Bowl trophy, that they're all in on trying to win, so... Yeah, I stumbled through a question to Elko this week, but but the gist of the question was, you know, were there any any guys, any true freshmen or any guys who really weren't on the two deep that had impressed him during this this time away that might help us in the bowl game? That's the way I worded it. And his answer was pretty matter of factly, like, not help us in the bowl game. Like there are some guys and he listed a group of like six guys, maybe seven guys that had impressed him that are gonna help next season. But, I mean, we are a unique program in the fact that every single one of our um, – as far as we know right now, all three of the grad transfer – or the people that are transferring out, Tony Davis, Rocky Shelton, Daryl Harding Jr., 
were uh, at practice this week are planning to be a part of the team for the bowl game. Uh, that just doesn't happen. I mean, we heard uh, from Gary in the interview that all 13 of UCF's transfers are not participating in the bowl game. And so Duke's in a unique spot. So I think the answer to Big Papa's question, uh, the answer is no. I don't think we're going to see much change as far as the way the rotations work and the way the snaps are given out. Going to try to get that excl exclamation point to end the season yep. in a positive way. By the way, if you're a betting, if you're a betting person, that line's still at three UCF's way. I'd, I'd take Duke in a heartbeat. I would love to if we had uh, gambling laws here. I know. If I only, if only, if only you knew a way around it. <laughs> All right, Garrett Robertson at G Robertson on Twitter. Is there one thing that UCF does really well, or are they just a good all-around team? And we kind of discussed this just a few minutes ago, where they they really love to run the ball. But I mean, Plumley can throw the ball too, so it's anybody else? doesn't that he just doesn't have that same wide receiver. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Ryan O'Keefe, Ryan O'Keefe transferred yeah. to Boston College is a big part of their their passing game. Second leading receiver. He's he's not playing, so that's that's five touchdowns he had as well. So that's that's a big loss for them. Um, Tyler at Splash Obi, he says, how will cold weather impact both teams? Is it possible that UCF is at more of a disadvantage in the cold weather than Duke? Uh, yes. I looked this up before we started recording. The coldest game that Central Florida has played so far this year, 57 degrees. I think the high right now they're projecting is anywhere from 35 to 40 degrees in Annapolis. 38? 38. 38. Okay. So that's, right in between. That's a kickoff. Okay. So a kickoff. Uh, the coldest game Duke has played was the pit game, 29 degrees. The, the pigeon game, as I like to call it. Mm -hmm. um, so on Monday when, when Josh and I were at practice, it was, it was pretty cold. And me not thinking about, oh, we're going to be inside the whole time. Nope. They were out on the fields outside. They're getting acclimated because they know what's coming. I don't know how or if Central Florida could simulate cold weather down in Orlando. That is, I mean, you could close all the doors to the indoor practice facility and crank up the AC, but it's just not the same. So Duke's got a one-game advantage when it comes to cold weather. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, you see it in the NFL. You see it in college to where if a warm-weather team – travels north or travels to i'm just going to use the nfl anytime a team goes to lambeau field in december and january it takes them a good half to get acclimated and and then they start playing like they should i don't know how the game is going to be for for central florida but i could see that as an advantage for us in the first 30 minutes of the game yeah, i can tell you just from our interactions with riley that he knows, like, he wasn't quite right at that pit game. Yeah. I think he did learn some things from it. I think you'll see a better a better performance from him than we saw at the pit game. And I'm not criticizing him at all, just you know, just stating the facts. And I think you might see a lot of running the football from both teams, like, to start until mm -hmm. until we get warmed up. Because, honestly, just so, once again, as that cold weather, it just affects the 
the ball, you throwing the ball, you can't throw it as far, you can't, everything, it affects everything. Hitting those hands when it's cold too, whew, that's going to hurt. Let's let's give our Facebook people some love, Jamie. I actually got one more on Twitter. Before, okay, all right. Before we go, because I thought this was a really good question. Okay. From, from Matt Barbie, at Real Matt Barbie. With Clemson being Clemson and Florida State getting back to their old ways, or seemingly so far, they, they look like they're going to be good, and the new no-division setup, how likely is it that Duke can play for an ACC championship? And second, he has a second secondary question. I believe the 2023 Duke offense will be the most prolific offense in Duke history. Do we agree with that? All right, so which part of this question? I'll tackle the first part. Um, I mean, it's obvious that Florida State is back on the rise. Um, I don't think that Mike Norvell is looking to take a job elsewhere. I think that Florida State's got what he needs, and I think he's the man for the job down there. He's he's proving it. So I think uh, Florida State is back. I still think the verdict's out on Clemson a little bit. I got to be honest with you. I mean, losing both coordinators and then this season, you know, they weren't they weren't the same Clemson that they have been, even though they ended up with a good record and whatnot. But they're just not the same. Um, so I would say this, I would say that, um, you know, I think Duke has as good a shot as, as UNC, uh, to, to challenge for the ACC title. I think Duke has as good a shot, you know, as Virginia tech or a better shot as Pitt, as good a shot as Pitt does. So at the Wake Forest, at the end of the day, we are no longer getting talked about down there with Georgia tech and teams that are just not Boston college. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, I think we can we can compete. Now, will it be next year? Uh, if it is next year, once again, kudos to Mike Elko on the pay raise. So, anyway, you guys got anything else to say about that part of the question? I, I'm, I'm with you 100% on that. Not the first part, no. Yeah. Man, so, I the second part was – go ahead, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, I just think Duke can compete with any of the team – any of the teams you mentioned – and Florida State is is kind of that wild card. Like, are they are they truly back? Which we think they are because they look really good and QBs coming back and all that. They're gonna be they're gonna be really good next year. And Clemson, Clemson is Clemson. But so, you know what, guys? Can, do you guys agree with this statement? Next year we're bringing Notre Dame and Clemson into into Wallace Wade. I do not feel like we are going to be absolutely out matched in either one of those games uh, like yeah, we I might agree. get beat and we might get beat by 28 points but i don't feel like it's going to be like old school duke clemson or old school duke notre dame where it's like man we just don't even deserve to be on the field i think we're going to fight and i so i mean i think we're already making strides and to 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 the question i think we're already making strides in that direction i think the only wild card is when those games are in the schedule True. when will we catch those teams because as you yeah. saw what was it, 2018 when we went? When did we go to Notre Dame and we upset them? Was it 18 or 19? 18, I think. 18. Yeah, Sean Wilson. Right. Yeah. We caught them at a time to where they were kind of on a lull yeah. and we were riding high. And we'll find out, uh, what, January next month when the ACC schedule or the non-conference or whatever the hell Notre Dame's a part of. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll know when those teams come to, to Wallace Way. Yeah. As far as the second question, I still think it's too early to tell. I don't – don't get me wrong, and I talked about this in the preseason uh, prediction episode. Kevin Johns 
is going to adapt his offense to the players. As we saw this year, if we're being honest, I mean, it was pretty run heavy because our quarterback led the team in rushing, rushing touchdowns, everything like that. Plus, we had a four-headed monster. Next year, no one knows. I think once we get to spring ball and start seeing what, you know, how everyone's improved, how the incoming freshmen, if any of them are going to make an impact on the field early on. How how Jordan Moore looks with an offseason at wide receiver. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now it's just too early to tell. Will they be like that 89 Spurrier team? Who knows? I think it's reasonable to expect Raleigh to build on this year. So what did he have? Of course you'd say that, Jamie. <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, he had, what, 20 touchdowns through the air, yep. 12 11, on the gr- yeah. 11 on the ground or 12 mm-hmm. on the ground, whatever yep. it was. Um, so that's 31, 32 total touchdowns. To me, it's reasonable to expect for him to build on that. So what does that mean? What does that mean next year? Does that mean he throws for 25 touchdowns next year and, mm-hmm. and still probably runs for 10 or 11? You know, that's that's probably reasonable to expect. So. I, mean, I could see I could see the offense being better. I don't know about the most prolific in Duke history. We'll just have to see. Yeah, and you got to think. I mean, Brian mentioned the Spurrier years, but I mean, you've got the Thad Lewis years, the Sean Renfrey years, where True. I mean, those offenses were legitimately good. I mean, our program sucked, but their offenses were really good. Scott, what were you going to say? I was just going to say uh, Brian was referencing 2016 at Notre Thank Dame. You. Thank you. I know it was one of those the years that we went to a bowl game. I just yeah. couldn't remember which one it was. All right, Facebook, where all the grandparents hang out. One, one, one more on Twitter. This is going to be a three-hour episode. <laughs> but I got to get to our guy Sam at LA Dodgers all day. He he asks us a question every week. So. He, he is heartbroken that this is the last episode of the season. What's one aspect of the game that Duke could really take advantage of UCF in? And I was honestly, I was kind of pouring through some highlights this afternoon and some and some uh, looking through their their last few games. In the month of November, it really appeared to me that they started getting gashed on the ground. Like, And there was a few games sprinkled throughout the season where they got gashed on the ground. But really, if you look at starting in November, they really were <laughs> – Brian's going to try – Brian's going to give me the laugh on the last episode. Um but they were really getting gashed on the ground. So, and I know they played Tulane twice. So that's that's playing a really good team. But it was I, ECU did it, Navy did it. Navy hit them for 150 on the ground. It was they were they were they were getting gashed. So I think that's something that we can take advantage of, and that Duke has proven that they have been good at throughout the year. And a couple of things, uh, Gary told us at least two defensive starters have transferred out and are not playing. We we were uh, stalking the message boards uh, of UCF and saw their fans asking, "Are we going to have enough guys on defense to fill our two deep?" <laughs> so I I actually think that I don't think this program right now is ready for this bowl game to be. Uh, this is my opinion. Um, I think the defensive side of the ball is really going to struggle for them. So I agree with you, Jamie, a hundred percent. I could see us. I can see us really running the ball really well. Our offensive line just opening up holes and and guys like Jacquez Moore just, you know, finding his way. I mean, swimming upstream, getting where he needs to be. 
They did. Josh didn't. Uh, Gary mentioned that they didn't touch many quarterbacks this year. Yep. Their pass they did not get to not the quarterback. And they did not. They didn't have a lot of interceptions. Riley might uh, not know what to do with all that time. Then I mean, this will be the first time a Duke quarterback in 27 years would have adequate time <laughs> to throw the football. All right, just just do one or two from Facebook because, like yeah. I said, I feel like we've done like an hour mailbag question. Hey, if you're uh, if you're still with us, we'd like to thank you for hanging out. Yes, with us tonight, so. it's, hey, hey, Brian, it's our series finale. Oh wait, season finale. I'm sorry. Yes, season finale, not series finale. Plot twist. All right, Peter Dodge on Facebook. Yes. Well, hey, we gotta have his. Hey, the mass hole. He says this is more of a comment, really, but I think it's something good we can discuss. He says players have every right to do what they think is in their best interest. I think he's talking about where they're playing in the bowl game or not. The concept is a two-way street. He said, I love the culture of Duke football and the commitment of our players having for the program to each other. So I think it's, I mean, it sucks as a fan, you know, obviously when one of your best players decides that he's not going to play in the bowl game, but it is what it is. And the kid has to do what, what is best for them. But, but if we've learned these last two years especially, this is a business. And the transfer portal has just exemplified that more and more. I mean, you see the articles that Drake May was offered $5 million from two schools to transfer. He didn't take it. Kudos to him. But at the end of the day, whether let, they're going to and, – And wait just a second. Let, 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 number one, let me say something about that. Please do. Number one, that could be Mac Brown absolutely spewing bullcrap and and Narduzzi for that matter. But number awesome. two, let me just say this, Carolina fans. I know none of you listen to this podcast. Newsflash: that was a ploy by Mac Brown to get your donor base to give more money to your cooperative stuff because you know Carolina gave that fool money to stay. He did not turn down five million dollars to stay in Chapel Hill for free. There's no way in not the for, world. Not for mediocrity. Exactly. So gave, anyway, I'm sorry, gave, Brian. I had to, he didn't interrupt you there. I'm just saying that's some, that is some major playing done by Mac Brown there. He is trying to raise money from that donor base to try to pay these players more. No, Mac is, Mac is, is a word. <laughs> well, they're going to get to Chapel Hill and he's not going to develop them and then they're going to transfer in a year or two. That's what's happened they, so far. They gave that's what's what difference they, in the country. They gave Drake May at least six million. If he was hey. offered five million, they gave him at least exactly. Hey, that's what the five stars do. They go to Chapel Hill for two seasons and they go somewhere else. So it is a community college to hone their skills and then go to an actual college. No right. doubt. We're gonna right. make this our last Sorry. question. And it on a good one. We're gonna make this our last question because Brian's gonna die if I don't. <laughs> he needs to get to bed because he's getting yes. sleepy. Uh this has been uh Bull City Coordinators on Facebook. Why is and this is for Brian? This is specifically for Brian. Why is the Hellraiser the best of all uniform combos? <laughs> Are we talking the blue with Hellraiser, the all whites with Hellraisers, the grays? It don't matter Hellraiser? if the Hellraiser is involved, yeah. it is the best uniform. Yeah. So this is me more of a new school. I'm the youngest one of the four. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Different logos. Or a recruiting tool. I don't care what anyone says. If you're a traditionalist and you want to just see blue and white on the field, that's great. Fantastic. But there are kids out there who really care about how they look on the football field, whether they're on the sidelines or whether they're actually on the field. 
the Hellraiser is a logo that Duke has not really used since the 1960s, before David Cutcliffe came and reintroduced them to Duke. I had never known about it until they they donned them back in 2000 and what was it 15? I think he broke them out for the first time. Regardless, people like to see variation. You look at Minnesota and the fighting flex with PJ. I think it was two years ago. Every single game was a different helmet with a different combination with a different logo. Yep. I would love to see Duke do that. But one, we don't have enough colors. Two, we don't have enough logos from our past that I think Duke would want to put on a helmet. But I just like it because it's variety. It's different. It's clean. And I think you might be seeing them sooner than later. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge as we head into predictions later this uh, episode. Just yeah, and I just think, too, it's a great football logo, man. It's like yeah. hardcore. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like the opposite. To me, it's like the opposite of the script, which we if we never use a script again, I'll be cool with that. Like, um, I do. I love it. I think it's a great it's a great looking logo. Like, I mean, we all know anytime we find gear. Sorry, Scott. He's showing us his script helmet. <laughs> um, anytime we we get a chance to buy gear that has that logo on it, we roll with it. So, you know, anyway, it's going to be good. Well, listen, that's it for the mailbag. You guys have been incredible this year in giving us questions, and we hope we've been able to answer the questions adequately. And thank you again for for doing that each week. Uh, but listen, we haven't had much, many of these, um, but we know we've had a few in our history of Duke football. And that is things happening this week in Duke football history, right? It's kind of, I'm assuming this is kind of a bowl generality um, here uh, that we could pick from, uh, but not yet sponsored. Scott Medlin's segment of the Section 17 podcast this week in Duke football history. Scott, take so it away. We're, we are going to go back to December 27th, 2018 in the Independence Bowl, a.k.a. the Armpit of Louisiana Bowl. <laughs> where Duke defeated Temple 56-27. In the game, Daniel Jones, who had earlier that season high-five Brian Kennedy, thanks to me, um, went 30-41 for 423 yards, five touchdowns and two interceptions. Deion Jackson was the man on the ground. He had 10 rushes for 41 yards. And then that was the TJ Ramming game where he had 12 receptions for 240 yards and two touchdowns. Duke dominated and took over that game early, and in the second half basically helped solidify Daniel Jones as the number six pick in the NFL draft that season to the New York football giants, who technically now are in the playoff hunt. So that... Pay the man. I was going to say, I don't think... um, I don't think I remember hearing that much talk about you know, Daniel Jones heading to the NFL draft early up until, like, he just that, blew up against Temple. I mean, I think there was some talk. That, but the Carolina, that UNC game. That the Carolina UNC game, game got it going, yeah. but yeah, by the time we got to the Temple game and the bowl game, that's all they talked about. Right. And that's kind of what ESPN does anyway. They're trying to find something to talk about, and that was the biggest point for Duke at the time. They were trying to find something to talk about. So Daniel Jones being possibly in the lottery, not lottery, but the top ten, was a big deal to them. That's awesome. What a great memory just four years ago. We haven't been back to a bowl since. And so uh, here we here we sit, military bowl. Um, and looking forward, looking forward to this matchup uh for sure. That is the not yet sponsored this week in Duke football history. 
but uh, we do want to thank our sponsor. And in, in fact, as we conclude this season um, of podcasts, man, comfort mechanical contractors have been awesome for us. They've helped do a giveaway or two taking care of our listeners. And we want to shout out Jamie and all the entire crew there at comfort. And so before the tail of the tape, a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, Brian here with the Section 17 podcast. Quick question for you. What do Duke, North Carolina Central, and the Durham Public School Systems have in common? Well, they all have their heating and air service work done by Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Comfort Mechanical Contractors offers full-service commercial HVAC organization, as well as install work for new construction and commercial renovation. With their full fleet of service vehicles at the ready, Comfort Mechanical Contractors is equipped to handle service calls, as well as install building automation and control systems. For more information, give Comfort Mechanical Contractors a call at 919-383-2502. That number again, 919-383-2502. Comfort Mechanical Contractors, the premier commercial heating and air service contractor of the Triangle. And our continuous thanks to Comfort Mechanical Contractors for their support throughout the year. It has been a fun run with them this season for the tell of the tape. We're hoping to have them back on next year because we've got plenty of new teams to discuss with the tell of the tape. But for this episode, it is the tell of the tape for the Central Florida Knights out of the AAC Conference. Last year, UCF went 9-4 and four and made it to the Gasparilla Bowl where they defeated the Florida Gators 29-17. to Now, UCF's last game this season was back on December 3rd when the Knights were defeated by the Tulane Green Wave in the AAC Championship game, 45-28. Gus Malzone is in his second season as the head coach of the Knights and has an overall coaching record of 95 wins and 45 losses. Before coming to Central Florida in 2021, Malzone had head coaching stints at Auburn and Arkansas State. Now, this is the first time ever the two schools have played each other in football and overall duke has a 29 28 and 5 record against aac opponents now not to be outdone central florida has a 6 and 21 record against acc opponents and does not have a winning record against any of the teams they have faced so far now after doing some research i did find out that gus malzone and mike elko have faced off three times in the SEC when Elko was the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M and Malzone was the head coach at Auburn. Malzone won two of those three games and has the edge two to one. Now it's time for the final time this season, Did You Know? Nitro, the Central Florida mascot, has not always been the school's mascot. The school's first mascot was the Citronaut, an orange with the head of an astronaut that the school debuted in 1968. Yes, Josh, that's correct. Now the mascot was quickly met with disapproval from the student base and lasted only two years. In 1970, the athletics department decided to put out a suggestion box for students and staff to submit ideas for the school's next mascot. And the winner was the Knights of Pegasus. Now 10 years later, Sir wins a lot a night-themed mascot would be introduced by the athletics department to draw attention to the football program that had started the year before in 1979. Along with Sir Winslot, <laughs> can't make this up, the school also debuted Puff, a magical dragon in 1987 that oh. would, yeah, I can't what? make this up. <laughs> what? 
Yes, Puff, a magical dragon that would duel with Sir Winslot on the sidelines during games and at halftime. Now, the final evolution of the mascot would come in 1994 with the introduction, introduction, sounds like me and Puff have been hanging out, of Nitro, the current Central Florida mascot. Trey Gordon, a UCF cheerleader at the time, helped design the new mascot and even donned the outfit for the first year. The school would also invoke the help of Walt Disney World to introduce a female companion named Glycerin, Nitro, Glycerin, but after two short years, the mascot was phased out by the school. And that was the Did You Know for the Central Florida Knights brought to you by Comfort Mechanical Contractors. Thank you guys for the sponsorship this year. So we went from an orange with a head of an astronaut <laughs> to Puff the Magic Dragon. Puff <laughs> the Magic Dragon, <laughs> live by the sea. A wild ride down in, down in UCF. I mean... I there there's an article I found when I was doing my research and they it was someone drew all the mascots together. It was quite comical. So and, and and for all you listeners, their stadium was nicknamed the bounce house for however long. Yep. So, so they, they they've yeah. got yeah, yeah they just well, have yeah. a sponsor. They right. just have a sponsor with it. So yeah, wow. I mean mascots galore <laughs> this year, guys. It's the year of the mascot. And uh I'll do better next year, I promise. Oh no, that's 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 great. They're entertainment, entertainment for sure. <laughs> we appreciate that. Once again, we appreciate comfort mechanical contractors as well. So uh we have season prediction winners to talk about. We have two sets of season prediction winners to talk about. Brian, who do we want to talk about first? The the one that won from our podcast, or do we want to do the drawing? Because I think we had a didn't we have a tie for the uh yeah, listeners? So, so let's go ahead and get it out of the way. Last year, we had a three-way tie. I had to pay for Josh, Jamie, and Scott. They did well. Kudos to them. I was going to make sure that didn't happen this year. We were only going to have one winner, and one winner came out of everything, and kudos to him. He got one, two, three, four, five, five of the uh, statistical categories all to his own, and of the side bets, he got... One, two, three, four, five, six of the seven. I'm talking about one Mr. Jamie Holt. He won between all four of us. I got a, so few, he, I got a few people to thank. Oh, Lord. Here we go. <laughs> First, I would like to thank God for giving me the genius to manage these predictions. <laughs> I'd like to thank my mom. <laughs> We're just, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You're getting an yeah. Omaha steak this year. <laughs> feels good to be a feels good to be a back to back. I'm a back to back. JB, are you not gonna thank Riley Leonard? I'd like to thank Riley Leonard. Dear Riley. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mid forties as a kid, married. So Jamie, we're gonna be taking Jamie out and we're gonna be hicking him up with a steak. So we know where we're not going. We are no, not going to the Angus Barn. No, we're going there. Yep. The losers <laughs> get to pick. Going to the peddler. What are you talking about? We're going to the peddler, baby. That's where we're going to be. Right, Jamie? Is that is that the, is that the choice? That would, that would, that would be my choice. Yeah, I'm go. with you, bro. That's the best ribeye I've had. All right. That. Once again, we reverted to a get, food podcast. <laughs> now let's get to the big boy. The prediction winner between you, the fans. So we had 28 applicants who submitted before the season who they thought would lead the team in all the statistics that we did. 
Fellas, I got to say, I was quite impressed. We had a few statistics that were guessed on the nose. I'm not going to go through all of them because we're at like an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> but all I'm going to say is to those of you who entered and had no idea what this team was going to do like us, you knocked it out of the park. So thank you for doing that. We will do this again next year. And we might do something different for the giveaway, but we'll talk about that off, off air off in the off season. But as Josh said, we had a two-way tie. There can only be one winner. So the two people that I will be spinning the wheel here shortly is one, Mr. Freddie Hodges, friend yeah. of the pod. DukeReport.com. Yep. And Matt Klaus. I really hope I said yep. your name right, last name. So really quick, I'm going to spin the wheel, and whoever gets it. Hey, Brian, it, before you spin the wheel, what do they win? Remind them. What are they winning? They win a $50 gift card to the Duke store. There you right go. Outside, right, right outside of Wallace Wade Stadium. So we will get that to you. Or the season opener. Yeah, or the spring game. If you're at the spring game. the spring game, game true. Yeah, with so, us, we could do that. So really quick, because we're running short on time, let me go ahead and spin it. It's spinning right now. There it goes. <laughs> Boy, it's really spinning. <laughs> Motorboat. Right on the Matt Klaus. Congratulations, Matt. You have won the $50 gift card to the Duke store. So... If you're at the spring game, we'll get it to you there. If you're not, we will see you probably the season opener. I believe it's going to be against Lafayette September 10th, but they have not officially released the schedule. Regardless, we will reach out to you again. Matt, congratulations. You right, won Matt. the season prediction game. Shout out, Matt. Shout out, Jamie. You guys uh, you guys get the Ws there for sure. So uh, as we conclude uh, this final episode of the year, uh, you know every at the end of every episode, we give you our predictions. We're going to tell you what we think the score is going to be to the game, who we think is going to win the game, and what we think our Duke uniform combo is going to be. And so, real quick, do we have our our, our gambling lines uh, to to get us heading in that direction? Well, you said it was three. Duke yeah, it's still three, three right now. It, it has not changed. I want to say the last line I saw was 61, but I'll double check while uh, we're talking. All right, so who wants to go first? Jamie? You yeah, want to let Nostradamus go first. Yeah, let's. Uh, <laughs> the champ. Way to put, way to put me on the spot. Um, Sixty-two and a half. So how do how do we do home how do we do home teams in uh, all games? Are we? We are the home team. We are the I'm home. mistaken. So okay, we'll be yeah. wearing a color. Yeah, we're, we're the blue we'll be wearing side. the color. Yeah. We we all get right. to we get to wear whatever we get yeah. to choose. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna go. Let's go out. Let's go out with a bang. Let's go blue out with the Hellraiser. Let's go out with the work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know what? Duke. I think I think it's gonna be tight. I know UCF is missing some players, but they they got a lot of their offense is intact, except for the the second leading receiver. But for the most part, they're intact. Uh, I think Duke will be able to score some points. Like we discussed, um, Duke 38, UCF 31. Duke 38, UCF 31, Military Bowl champs. All right, I'll go next. Um, let's see. First off, this is the Johnny Dawkins Bowl. So hopefully <laughs> we win Johnny back. Um, secondary, ESPN, please get your head out of your backsides. UCF 56.9% chance of winning. Are you kidding me? Okay. Sorry. That's my little soapbox. 
I mean, obviously, looking at the bowl mania thing, you guys have lost your mind. All you people that don't watch Duke football, that's your problem, your fault. You'll get to see how Duke football plays in Annapolis Wednesday afternoon. That being said, uh, let's go. I, I like Jamie's idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip it up a little bit. Let's go black helmet with the Hellraiser. Let's go blue, which I know is going to look ugly. But let's go blue, I think, and then black pants. Just something different. Personally, for the what it's worth, doesn't really matter. I would love to see Duke in gray slash camo with the Hellraiser all the way down in gray. That would be perfection. But they're not going to do that. Um, okay, I thought somebody was going to say something. Nope. Oh, okay, so for the points, um, I'm going to go 38-28 Duke, obviously. Um, just think Duke's going to have a little bit more for them. To be honest with you, I would love to see 72 nothing Duke. Why not? That would be a great way to end the season. But I do think that uh, Rice Plumley is going to have a little bit of success. Bowser, those guys. But I think at the end of the game, the Duke running in the game is just going to end up putting it on ice as we go into fourth quarter and basically milking the clock so we can finish the game and win. Nice. I know Brian's thought for the uniform combo, so I'm going to go ahead and go. And I'm not going to steal your thunder, Brian. I'm not going to steal your thunder. I'm going to give you a uniform combination that we will not do, but I think it will be super cool. Y'all ready? I would love to see this. I would love to see a blue helmet with the black D large. Thank you. I would like to see a blue helmet, black D large, black top, black shirt, blue pants. So a blue, black, blue with so the black D. I said, except for the helmet part. It's the flip. It's the flip. You had the okay. you had the black top, didn't you? And I had the blue top, black. Oh no, I sound flipped. I'm flipped. I have black on the on the uh, okay. D with the blue helmet, black top, blue bottoms. Is that right? That's something different, right? That'd be something different. <laughs> that I is think. someone. That is something different. Yeah. I'm, it's, I'm, it's only been seen in NCAA 14 because I used to do that combo. Okay. Wow, see. Great there combination. There yep. So I'm going there. Uh, okay. So uh, my quick rundown of the game. Um, I think Duke cares a whole lot more about this game than UCF does. Um, I think uh, it's it's obvious that. Duke's players have stuck around. Uh, we're going to see some players playing for UCF, especially on the defensive side of the ball that haven't played a lot this year. I think all that lends itself, it, it, even in the fact of what Jamie mentioned earlier, that even with all their players, they've been susceptible to the run. I think we're going to run all over them. So I'm actually going to go with a little bit more of a blowout score. I'm going to go Duke 41, uh, UCF 17. 41 to 17, I think we're going to curb stomp them. I'm thinking, I'm looking at it like the the Florida uh Bowl game who they play? Uh, Oregon State. Oregon the State. Bees. And, yeah, and, and Florida just didn't care to be there, and the Beavers did, and the Beavers just went ham. They went damn on them. So. <laughs> Lucky the Beaver. Oh, this episode has gone off the rails. What a way to end it. All right, so if you are a sleuth like me, and you've noticed practice photos man this time to break out Ryan really wants this to be the truth it is probably not now that I'm going to say this I'm sure there's certain employees with Duke football that's going to listen nope not doing it now they got the the dumpster fire ready to start 
They have been wearing, folks, the slate gray helmets that we have not seen since 2018 in practice. Every practice photo that I've seen. When I went Monday, every player was wearing the slate gray helmets. I think they're coming back for the bowl game. My, my jersey prediction is this, and I think I said this Monday to Josh afterwards. Slate gray with the Hellraiser, blue top, slate gray pants. I would be fine with that. Amen. Hallelujah. I think everyone would be fine with that. What a way to end the season jersey-wise. Now, I say that, they're going to probably go white, black, white. (laughs) If they go white, white, black, white, man, that'll be We've got bigger problems. Massive disappointment. All right, but as far as the score itself, I'm going to be with you, fellas. Duke has scored over 30 points in three of their last five games. I don't see that ending on this game. They want to end the note or end the season on a high note. I'm going to be closer to what Josh is saying than the other two. I think it's going to be Duke 40 and UCF 24. Duke 40, UCF 24. We will freeze our butts off up there with all of you that are coming. We're looking forward to enjoying the tailgate and everything. We're looking forward to seeing those boys hoist that military bowl trophy at the end of 60 minutes. So go Duke. So we all cover except for Josh. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I didn't get to the 62 or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all right. I still got that blowout. So, um, and I'm, I'm cool if we do cover. <laughs> I'm cool if it's 49 or 48. Anyway, um, so a couple of things before we head out of here. Number one, thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening uh, to our podcast. Uh, we grew, I'd say we tripled uh, in, in our stats from, uh, from last year to this year. You guys are incredible. Keep sharing and keep talking about it. Um, if you've uh, been able to uh, visit our website, dukefootballtalk.com, we have our shop there. Uh, you can get Elko Era gear. You can also get Turn Up the Music uh, gear, which, by the way, those things look really cool. We've seen a few people with them. Uh, remember, $10 uh, for every uh, item you buy of Turn the Music Up gets donated uh, to Michelle Elko's charity of uh, – and Coach Mike Elko's charity of choice, which is the National MS Society. So we want to encourage you to do that if you – haven't yet follow us on twitter at duke fb talk instagram at duke fb talk facebook find our group by searching duke football talk you're listening to this podcast if you're listening to it on apple if you would press pause real quick head over and give us a five-star rating and review if you'll give us a review that would be awesome if you're listening on spotify press pause and hit the five-star rating for us that would be great there's a q a section on spotify as well uh that you can you can shoot your questions at and we can try to uh reply to those so anyway we do thank you for the support this year uh, speaking on behalf of these guys we really love what we're doing man we don't get paid for this stuff we do it all um just because we we love duke football and so we really appreciate um you guys listening in each week interacting with us and we've gotten to know several of you shout out to our boy trent since with us every game we got to know a lot of you on a real personal level and we've we've really enjoyed it and look forward to what we're doing uh to come and look, I did, real fast before we end, uh, I just want to tell everybody, have a mer- very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. We really, like Josh said, we greatly appreciate every one of you because of you guys are the reason we're still here today doing what we're doing. And like Josh said, we, we do this for fun. We enjoy it. We're having a great time. And we're having a great time with you because a lot of you guys are interacting with us on Twitter and Facebook. And you're also seeing us at the games and stuff like that. So, man, we appreciate everything you guys do. Um, if you're unable to make it to the bowl game, we hope that you'll be able to make it out to the spring game. And obviously, we'll keep you 
abreast of everything going on and what stuff's going to happen and things like that. But, man, we appreciate every last one of y'all. Appreciate the guys here, uh, all the time we put into it. Hey, go Duke. Let's win the military ball. Go Duke. Beat UCF. Appreciate all y'all. Especially Raleigh. <laughs> did you already claim him for your helmet sticker for uh, the military yeah, ball? I think he did, yeah. Okay, he just did. No, this has been a great season. We have seen so much growth, so much support, uh, you know, just echoing what Josh, Jamie, and Scott said. We've got a lot of good things on the horizon for next season we're going to be working on, and hopefully they translate into more growth. And we want you to continue to interact with us. If you see us in public, say hey to us. Uh, I think Josh was telling us he was actually at the basketball game in Winston-Salem, of all places. Somebody just approached him last night and said, hey, are you with that podcast? So we're, we're approachable. You can talk to us. We'd love to discuss football with you. Or if you just want to say, hey, go, come say hey. But we're looking forward to hanging out with as many of you as possible in Annapolis in a week's time. If you're listening to this uh, closer to that, we're recording on Wednesday night. It is what it is. But we're going to take some well-needed rest after this bowl game. We're going to collect our thoughts. We're going to get ready for spring ball. We're going to get ready for the second full year, the Mike Elko era. And we are looking forward to seeing each and every one of you at the spring game and at every home game, seven of them next year, folks, seven. We're looking forward to seeing as many of you as possible next year at Wallace Wade Stadium. But with that being said, for Josh Cox, for Jamie Holt, for Scott Medlin, and producer Justin Sykes. I'm Brian Kennedy, and this has been the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. One more time, Coach Elko, what should we do? Now turn the music off!